0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today we have a more serious and intense episode. We're sitting down with Lauren Tattenbaum, and she is a therapist and she's amazing. And she's also somebody who has been a victim of abuse. And... I don't want to say too much on it. I'm going to let her speak about her own situation, which she will. And definitely make sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode because we get into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case and our thoughts on all of that. I know a few of you had asked me to speak on it. My voice is a little nasally right now. Not really sure why. Don't have COVID. Have tested negative for over a week. But... This is just what we're working with right now. So a big topic that has come up a lot recently is relationship check-ins. I mentioned that we have an episode on this with Sean Galanos, and I highly recommend you listen to it. But if you haven't yet, I'm just going to talk about it a little bit before we get into the episode with Lauren. A relationship check-in is kind of just like taking that time, maybe once a month, to check in with your partner and make sure you're on the same page about things or you're heard about something that you're going through you feel supported for example like last week i was not mentally super well in fact i'm probably not mentally super well right now when you're listening to this mercury's retrograde and it's just a tougher time it's a it's a heavier time for some reason can't explain why. It just feels that way. And I was just like not having a great week last week. And my husband was thriving. Like he was... A lot of really amazing things were happening at work for him. And I was just not well. And I, of course, like was trying to show up for him. And he was trying to show up for me. But it was like, that's a weird that's a hard thing, right? And that happens a lot probably in marriage and like in relationships too. When one person is doing really well in something and the other person isn't feeling so good. And I actually asked a poll question that was about my own relationship disguised as a poll from one of you. And I said something like, when one person's like not doing well and, you know, at work and the other person is doing really well at work, who should support, like who needs to needs the support more? And you guys said the person who's not doing well. But I actually disagree as that person. And my husband and I ended up analyzing this and having this conversation ourselves. But it's like I need to like the the wins are few and far between in life. And like the sadness is is more, right? It's like more common to be sad or to like be in a funk or whatever. And so I feel like if we can prioritize the win more than the loss, then like maybe the the person going through the sad time will like even be happier because they'll at least be happier for the other person. Whereas the alternative is like the other person being brought down by the sad person. I know that sounds weird, but actually it reminds me, someone once told me in the Jewish religion, and I'm Jewish, that um, if there's a funeral or like something like that, a shiva on the same day as a wedding, that you should always prioritize the celebration over the sadness. I I don't know the context. I'm actually going to look it up. Okay. That was a fail. I couldn't find anything about it online, but I have been told this and I, I do believe it. I think that if you have two options that you're holding in front of you, and one is a happy option and one is a sad option, the happy option should take priority. Anyway, all of that is to say that the check-in conversation is necessary. And, you know, it, it can go it can go as like, you're just having dinner with your significant other, or you're just hanging out on the couch and you're like, how are you feeling like i just wanted to do a check in you know make make them know like have it be known what you're doing so they're not just like what's happening or am i getting dumped like they know that the check in is something that you want to do like they've agreed to do it so when it comes like they're not like what is happening what is this check in they're like oh amazing like i i'm ready for this check in i here's what i needed from you this week that i didn't get here's what I needed from you that I did get. Here's what I need you to prioritize coming up. You know, I feel like you haven't been listening to me. I feel like you have been really good at listening to me. Whatever you're feeling, I feel like that's the moment for the check-in. Now I want to talk a little bit about this article. It's I shared it on my Instagram. I'll share it again today while you guys are listening to this. It's called Why You're Not Attracted to Nice Guys. You're not crazy. You're onto something. And basically, this woman wrote this article. Her name is Nikki Marinas. And it talks about the traits of nice guys. So nice guys tell you how nice they are. Nice guys beat around the bush. Nice guys have a ton of women burned me stories. Nice guys don't respect your boundaries. And nice guys have misplaced values about sex. So I have a pretty hot take here, which is that I actually don't think there's such thing as a nice guy. I think there are good guys, maybe bad guys, you know, people who can always change, but good, like nice guys, that's not a thing. Like, And I have felt this for my whole life. I've never thought that, you know, I really truly believe that everyone has some sort of edge of some kind. And I think the reason that I started having this thought is because when I was younger, I dated like a nice guy, quote unquote. And he ended up cheating on me. But it was funny because I, I, I like purposely dated him because he was a nice guy and he wasn't a nice guy. And I know that's like a personal situation, but I think that like anyone who calls himself a nice guy, I agree with her, is not a fucking nice guy. Because like, it's like when girls call themselves the chill girl, like you're not the chill girl. Like when someone calls himself a girl's girl, like if you need to continue saying that you're a girl's girl, are you a girl's girl? It's like when someone marks themselves as straight on a dating app, like mm, why do you need to tell us that, you know? And so I, I will agree that nice guys are kind of the worst And a good guy doesn't have to call himself a nice guy. He doesn't ask how many people you've slept with. He doesn't ask about your sexual experiences. He doesn't try to rush in a relationship. He goes slow. He doesn't talk about how his exes burned him. Because first of all, that's frankly a huge turnoff. And he doesn't beat around the bush. He actually asks you out on a date. So if this article is saying that, you know, guys who do all of these things are not nice, um, then I agree. I will say like, that isn't to say there aren't good guys out there. There are good guys out there, but they're not masquerading around pretending they're nice guys, quote unquote. Also a quick moment. Just wanted to talk about the Selling Sunset reunion. If you haven't watched this season, please skip ahead. But if you have, um, I just want to say I'm so fucking confused. Like, if Jason felt that way about Chrishell, like, then he should have just been with her. That I think that's like the most mind fuck that you can do as a guy to women. It's like, you can cry about them and have all these strong feelings about them, but not want to be with them. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I guess if he doesn't want to have a kid and that's a deal breaker for her, then like, okay, that is understandable. But it's just like, If you really, really love someone, I'd like to think that you would do anything to make them happy. Obviously, being a dad, if you don't want to be a dad or if you're not ready to be a dad, that's a responsible decision to make to not be with that person. But it's just confusing to me. It, It really is. Like if he really loved her, if he's crying about her, then fucking be with her. Which like, you know, if he wanted to, he would. Clearly he doesn't want to, but he's heartbroken about the fact that he doesn't want to makes no sense. Slide into my DMs with your thoughts on the reunion because I am just so lost there. Somebody asked how to better understand how people view you slash become self-aware. This is a really funny topic because when I recorded with Lauren, who you're about to hear in a second, she was like, you are the most self-aware. And I was like, that is such a compliment, but I don't feel like I am. I feel like I am always striving to be more and more self-aware. Self-awareness, like it changes. Like you could be aware that you're X, Y, and Z, but then you can change and become more of Y and Z and not be self-aware of that necessarily. So it's it's a process. And for me, it's it's been... Uh, the way that I've become self aware is through therapy. It's also through reading my podcast reviews. Just kidding. Um, but if you're listening and want to write something nice, then I love you. But I think you just have to be aware of your place in the world. So, first and foremost, like I am aware that I am a privileged white woman and I am very lucky to have had the things in my life. Right. So, that's like, basic self-awareness. And then there's personality self-awareness. So like I'm aware that I like to control people, places, and things sometimes. And I obviously have an addictive personality, hence being sober. And I can get like very OCD. I mean, I don't need to list my things, but I think what you do is in therapy, it's kind of like a mirror and you see who you are and how you're coming off. And if you're continuing to do the same thing over and over again, a good therapist will point that out to you or make that obvious to you because they'll be like, well, didn't you say last week, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh, shit, you're right. I am always complaining about something and never doing something or you know, whatever your personality trait is. That's how you gain the self-awareness. And speaking of therapy, I'm going to turn it over to a real therapist um, because I think you're really going to enjoy everything that Lauren has to say. Somebody asked in the solo this week what my health insurance situation is since I've worked for myself for a long time. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's not great. I use Oscar and there's a lot of doctors that don't take my insurance, but there's a lot that do, which is really amazing. And I wouldn't be able to figure that out if not for ZocDoc. If you haven't heard of ZocDoc, it's the place to find the doctor for you based on specific things like your insurance, your location, your needs, how great the doctor may or may not be. And ZocDoc shows all of the reviews for all of the doctors that you could possibly book with. And actually, I found my first therapist on ZocDoc. So I'm telling you from firsthand experience, it is Really amazing. They also care. Like, if you book an appointment with someone on ZocDoc, they follow up and they're like, How was the appointment? Was this person good? You know, they want to make sure that anyone using ZocDoc has a great experience with their new dentist or their chiropractor. Whatever it is, ZocDoc is a free app that shows you the right doctor for you and who takes your insurance even if your insurance sucks like mine does. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Acme and use the ZocDoc app for free. You can download it in the app store and then start start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. So if you need one soon, you got to download it now and check it out. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Acme. ZocDoc.com slash Acme. Let's talk about some gift ideas for friends or loved ones. Any kind of person that you're looking for a gift for would love Dagny Dover. If you haven't heard of Dagny Dover, it is founded by three women and based in New York City. It's a performance bag brand. So backpacks, gender neutral baby bags for your friend who just had a baby, work and commuter totes, They've got toiletry organizers, crossbody bags, which are so hot right now. And their designs are smart and the functionality is amazing. I like the regular backpack. It's called the Dakota Neoprene Backpack. Obviously, I love the green one. And they just have so many pockets, like so much room for activities, you know? Again, it is perfect for gift giving or for summer adventures and picnics and all the fun stuff. Or if you're just, you know, hopping on a train with a great bag. So definitely check out Dagny Dover. It's awesome. The colors are really nice too. And it's all made from really amazing, eco-friendly materials like organic cotton, recycled poly, made from plastic bottles, all the good stuff. So you're supporting the environment as well as looking chic. So definitely check out Dagny Dover and support them because they help support our podcast and make it free for you to listen to it, which I love. You'll get 10% off your first-time customer use when you use code ACME. So if you go to dagnydover.com and use code ACME, you're going to get 10% off. You can choose any amazing backpack that you love and check it out. Hi, I'm Bethany and I'm Anthony Garcia, and this is the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. In this day and age of filters and heavy editing, we believe in sharing the real and raw parts of marriage, parenthood, and real freaking life that often get filtered over. Every week, we share next level real life confessions from our audience. You'll either feel seen, highly entertained, or maybe even both. Come hang with us and catch a new episode every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't
1: miss a single confession.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with therapist and women's advocate, Lauren Tenbaum. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Lindsay. So happy to be here. So happy to have you here. And we've been talking back and forth for a while. I think you've been on the therapist directory on our website for a bit. But we had never actually met in person, which is crazy. I grew up with your sister. She's awesome. Shout out to Michelle. And we have a lot to talk about today. Definitely not like a lighthearted topic by any means, but something that's really necessary to get into that. I mean, I'm sure you know the stats more than I do, but we'll get right into it. Starting with some background about you, Lauren, how old are you and where are you from?
1: I just turned 37 and I, like you, am from New York City, which is how we were connected. And I've been following what you're doing for a while. And I just love how you are so authentic and so self-aware and you empower women. And that's really
0: what I'm all about, too. I love it. And trying to be more self-aware every day. I actually are have my all? therapist today. So <laughs> it's always a good day when you have your therapist. And so how did you get into therapy? I know you were a former lawyer before that. How did you make that transition? Tell us your your story.
1: So ever since high school, my whole life, really, I wanted to help women. And I went straight to grad school after college at Penn. I went to law school. I did not like it. I missed really working with people. So I decided to pursue my master's in social work simultaneously And I graduated grad school, you know, over 12 years ago now, but I went into the legal industry where I was practicing law, but always with a social work and therapeutic informed focus. I worked a lot with survivors of domestic violence, women who were refugees fleeing violence. I helped them get orders of protection, visas, divorces. So it was always about helping women through their most vulnerable. And then when the pandemic happens, I was a working mom, really stressed myself, and I thought, well, if I'm, you know, my mental health is suffering and I'm a licensed mental health professional and an advocate, you know, there must be so many other people that are really needing support. So I decided to go full time into private practice and work as a therapist. And I also do a lot of coaching, especially for young women and women who are moms and a lot of divorced moms as well.
0: I love that. And what was it that made you feel called to begin to help women? Like even before, you know, this law stuff, did you have a specific experience that made you feel like women needed protection? My whole life,
1: I had this calling. I grew up in a really feminist household. My parents are wonderful. I'm the oldest, um, which you can probably tell about me. I'm the oldest of three. And my parents just always instilled this drive in me to give back to people who were less fortunate. And I noticed from a young age that, you know, we're in New York City and the United States of America, but in so many areas of life, of work, in the home, women are held back. And so I was always a really strong advocate for women. But I, you know, I've also experienced a lot of things that women experience that are not talked about enough like dating abuse, which we'll get into, and you know, pregnancy discrimination, and all of these things that I, as a privileged person, if I was experiencing it, how many others were experiencing it? And that's why I felt even more called to be an advocate for those who didn't have the voice that I have.
0: Yeah, and you're now happily married with two kids, um, which is amazing. Thank but you yourself have gone through some domestic abusive situations or situation, can you, if you're comfortable, open up and kind of tell us your experience and then we can get into how others can know if they're going down the same path?
1: Definitely. It's not something that I talk about often, but I think it's so important to talk about, just like, you know, these other hardships that people deal with when it comes to what they're going through in their personal lives. When I was, it was many, many years ago, I am, like you said, happily married to a wonderful man. His name is David. We've known each other for over 20 years now. We met in college, um, so about 20 years. And I had a very healthy first relationship, you know, when I was a teenager, et cetera. But I found myself in a relationship when I was younger that deep down I knew wasn't healthy. I knew was abusive, but I couldn't really get myself out of it for a long time. How old was this? I it started when I was 19. Okay you know, I'm struggling to kind of think about what to say about it because it is such a topic that brings up so much shame. I don't know if you remember a couple, I mean, I guess it was like a decade ago when Rihanna got yeah. into that situation with Chris Brown. Yeah, and never forget. Right. But she never talks about it. Mm. And I don't blame her. I mean, honestly, I just want to give her a hug. Um, yeah. But look at this woman. She's a billionaire. She's, you know, Talented in so many ways. She's what we would probably think of as a strong woman. And yet she was beaten up tremendously. And still there's this stigma around it where she doesn't talk about it. Over the years, for my own personal situation, I have come to grow more comfortable talking about it. But I really want people to know that they're not alone if they're experiencing something like this. It happens to, it can happen to anyone. Women are more likely to be, you know, victims. And and we can talk about terminology and what, you know, what these terms mean. But I'll use the term victim here. Women are more likely to be victims. And it didn't start out, you know, abusive. It started out very loving. And that's very common for abusers. There's often a honeymoon period. And then after, you know, a kind of incident where there's physical violence or not, because there are different types of abuse, then there's a lot of, you know, honeymoon period again. And so it's a cycle that's so hard to get out of. And often the victims are isolated and they feel like there's a lack of support. And research shows that it actually takes an average of seven times to leave an abusive relationship before one is able to do so. I believe that. I
0: actually just read a book called It Ends With Us. Have Mm -hmm. you read that? Not yet. It's on my list. Yeah, And I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but it was definitely the kind of story where the characters are written flawed. So like you are almost able to empathize, not that you should, but you can see. And then it kind of puts you in the headspace where you're like, Oh, I now kind of understand why it's so hard to leave an abuser because when it's good, it's so good and when it's bad, obviously it's it's horrible, but it's that roller coaster I feel like that yeah. can suck you in.
1: Totally. And again, I'm someone that's incredibly lucky with resources, with social supports. And it was still really hard for me. And also there's, I think, this misconception that an abusive relationship is always incredibly violent. Of course, that happens, unfortunately. But abuse is not always physical. It can also be emotional. It can be digital, which, you know, I think is important for your listeners because, of course, we're in this digital age. But, you know, someone constantly messaging you when it's unwanted and saying horrible things to you, that's abuse. And what a lot of abusers do, and I see this with my clients, whether they're 20-something or whether they're, you know, in marriages and moms and years later, right? The common thing is that abusers try to perpetuate power and control over their victims and they constantly make them feel less than and that no one else cares about them. Only, you know, their partner cares about them. And that's why they, that's one of the reasons why they've had such a hard time leaving.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now that we have that little bit of background of like, you know, what abusers do and how they kind of isolate. So going back to your personal experience, you were 19, you were seeing someone Things were great. You felt loved. You had been in a honeymoon phase. At what point did you realize or kind of see a red flag happening? I love that you
1: asked about red flags. It often can start really small. For example, the way that the person talks to waiters, let's say, Or, you know, other people, um, if they're very condescending, if they're rude, the way that then they can talk to you and make you feel again just feel so, you know, shitty and like no one else cares about you, no one else loves you, but I love you, but actually you're annoying me. And that constant push and pull of making you question yourself and your self esteem gets shattered. And then again, it goes back to the sort of, Chris Brown thing, for example, where there's no accountability for this kind of behavior. At the time, a lot of my friends, you know, knew my boyfriend at the time. And they sort of warned me about him because they said, you know, he he has a temper, but they didn't know the intimate details because I would hide it. And there were instances where actually, you know, his roommate's like saw because it did escalate um it escalated with him breaking my stuff like throwing at the time we had digital cameras so I'm aging myself but <laughs> you know no like iPhones um throwing my camera throwing like glasses in my apartment so there were witnesses to that there was hair pulling there was you know hitting and roommates saw it and, and, you know, they would break it up if they did and say, oh, come take a walk with me, whatever. But it was like everyone carried on like it was normal. And years later, the roommates apologized, but he never did.
0: And this was someone you had met in college? Yeah. Okay. And like, what, what did you know about him? Like, was he like a normal person from a normal family? Did he come from sort of like a trauma, like, Uh, not not by any means excusing his behavior, but kind of like how does somebody end up an abuser?
1: Great question. He did. And, you know, I don't want to say too much about him, just because it's not about him, right? It's about helping people going through similar situations. But you, you know, hit the nail on the head. He definitely did have a traumatic childhood, grew up a lot around a lot of anger. And we see that time and time again in people who perpetuate abusive behaviors. But a lot of people go through trauma and don't engage in abusive behavior. So it's a learned behavior. It's a choice to act in anger that way, and you know I do believe people can change, but they really have to want to change, and it shouldn't be up to you know the victim to help that person change. It really has to come from within
0: mm-hmm. so how were you able to escape from this abuser
1: so it it was hard I again you know kind of isolated myself. He isolated me, you know, would tell me no one likes me and and be like, no, we're doing this for plans and kept me away from my friends, especially the friends that he had been aware of who had warned me about him. I studied abroad without him, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had one best friend who happened to be a guy um, at Brandon in college, and he would constantly build me up and really say things like, you don't, What are you doing? You know, you don't need this guy. Like, don't listen to him. And he always stuck by me without judgment, which is so important. If you're seeing a friend go through it, I know it's hard, but please don't judge them because they need your your support, you know, unconditionally. So I was abroad with Brandon and some other friends and just that distance and these loving people who would constantly really rebuild my self-esteem and show me that i could be this independent person without this i didn't i didn't need it i certainly didn't deserve it and then over time eventually you know i i realized that i was much better off without him
0: amazing that you were able to do that It's moving season, and we are not ready. I mean, is anyone ever ready to move? Moving is the worst ever, especially when you order something and it takes forever to come. And you're just like, yeah, I mean, I wish I never moved at all. But Article changes the game on moving. I, When I moved into this apartment with Steven, we... We were about to wait like years for our furniture before we discovered Article. Article has fast, affordable shipping and... It basically combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. Every time I've ever walked into someone's place and been like, oh my God, what is that? I need to order that for my apartment. It's been Article. Article has a team of designers that focus on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. They're dedicated to the modern aesthetic. So if you're clueless about a part design like I am. Article is exactly where you need to be buying your stuff. Article is offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. So to claim this, you go to article.com slash Acme and the discount is automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Acme to get $50 off your purchase of $100 or more. You get to furnish your sick apartment And you get $50 off your purchase. So I don't know why you wouldn't check this out. It's amazing. They help support our podcast to keep running for free. So you should support them and get $50 off article.com slash Acme. Self-awareness is quite the topic. And as I mentioned before, I only have even a semblance of self-awareness because of therapy. I work on it. And Talkspace is the place that I do that. If you haven't heard of Talkspace, it is the most amazing tool where you can talk to a licensed therapist 24-7 without needing an appointment. You can text them. Like Imagine texting your therapist, whatever you're dealing with at any moment. Talkspace is private, secure, and most importantly, it's accessible. It's everything that you love about therapy without the stuff that gets in the way. You can match with a dedicated... They have like over thousands of dedicated therapists, professionals like Lauren, who you're listening to right now, who are really, really amazing and are there to help you through your journey that is life. Whatever it is, you don't need an excuse to start working on yourself. What you do need is to get it happening, to get it started because you want to live a better life and you deserve to understand yourself and understand what makes you happy. So match with your dedicated therapist today at Talkspace.com and use promo code ACME during sign up to get $100 off your first month. I'm so excited about this partnership and have been for so long because you know how passionate I am about therapy. We can give you $100 off if you go to Talkspace.com and use promo code ACME. Tell them we sent you and I hope you enjoy it. You had said that you met your now husband, David, when you were in college. Was that after this? And how did that come into into play? Did you start dating from college or reconnect later?
1: So David and I have an interesting story, which we can definitely talk about today or another time because we have broken up a couple of times. And I know that, you know, you wonder if that can work out, but we are a success story. David and I were friends from the first week of college. And so he was actually in the kind of group of guy friends that gave me a, you know, a pretty solid, but also hands-off warning about the guy. Like, you know, we don't love him, but like, we're here for you. This ex-boyfriend of mine, like he had my email password, which is a red flag, um, also. And he would check my emails. And especially when I was abroad, I think my my friends felt more comfortable kind of letting me know how they felt about the relationship. And so I would get emails like from other friends of ours in the same kind of group of friends as David, being like, you know, I I this is so great that you're abroad and away from. Your boyfriend, like, I think this is good for you, et cetera. And it turns out that my boyfriend at the time was like checking my emails. And so then he would be really nasty to my guy friends, um, to my brother, who happens to be. At the school that we were then, you know, attending, he was like rushing the fraternity. It was a whole mess. So to answer, you know, both of your questions, David was always my friend throughout and and ultimately we fell in love. But a red flag is, you know, wanting to control aspects of your life, like getting your email passwords, being nasty to people in your life, then also kind of like charming them and gaslighting and being like, no, no, she's the crazy one. It's her. Mm. And so that's something definitely to watch out for.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't want to spend more time on this specific person, but just out of my own curiosity, where is a person like this today? Like, I, if you know, like, are they still going around doing this stuff? I mean, how can like, how can we as women feel okay knowing that there's someone out there that did this to you that is like around still? It's a tough one. So I don't know
1: where he is because I have long deleted his number. We've never been like social media friends, anything like that. But, and like I said, I mean, this was 18 years ago. I can't do the math right now, but a long time ago. In our 20s, when we were living in New York City, he was still, we were not, you know, together at all, but he would kind of like be in my life and like go try to befriend my friends from high school and things like that. And he dated a mutual friend of mine, like a a girlfriend that I was friendly with, not best friends with. And he would tell her things about me, like, oh Lauren's crazy, all this stuff. And years later, the girl and I were at dinner for another girlfriend's birthday or something. And she said to me, You know, I am so sorry because I believed him about you. Like I thought you were crazy. But he was abusive to me, too. And I'm so sorry. And she was able to walk away earlier than I was, I think, in part because she had heard the warnings from our mutual friends, etc. Or, you know, life circumstances. I guess I was in like a more, you know, a weaker state at the time we dated. But that was really validating. And unfortunately, you know, there, there are people out there, right, who need to do the work on themselves that maybe haven't yet. But if you feel like something isn't right in your relationship or in your friend's relationship, you know, listen to that instinct. Because again, you don't deserve to be treated that way.
0: Right. Especially if you see something like that they do in front of you in public, then just imagine what they do in private. Like, that's what really scares me with certain friends and certain relationships. It's like, I will see like a friend's husband like yell at my friend in a way that just like really is either just so unnecessary or just rubs me the wrong way. And then I'm like, huh. Mm -hmm. And kind of leads me to my next question, which is about like non-physically abusive relationships, because there are so many different types of abuse that you can endure. I mean, I've been in a relationship before where he, never touched me, but he would, like, punch walls around me and, like, things like that, too. And that's also a really scary situation. And I don't know if you you saw the show Made. It's on my list also. Yeah. But I felt so seen in that show because she not, like, spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen it, like, skip ahead. But she is with this guy who does the same thing. He kind of like, he punches around Mm -hmm. her and like throws things, but not at her. And so it's really hard for her to think about if this is abusive or not. But then when I was watching that show, I was like, clearly that's abusive. And I never thought, I never think of myself like I was in an abusive relationship because I was never physically abused myself. But I was like, I would wrestle with this partner to like get out of the bathroom or like, you know, mm-hmm. like they would throw things like at, in the wall, punch the wall, but just not me. And so it's like th- that's where the lines are, are blurred. And then and then even like more invisible is like the emotional abuse type of relationships.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you bring this up because a lot of my clients will, you know, talk about their relationships, past or present, and say something like, well, you know, he, he wasn't the best guy. He would yell at me a lot, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't abusive. And then without fail, as we get to know each other, it turns out that maybe he spat on her. Maybe he punched walls. Maybe he broke her stuff. Maybe he, you know, would throw her phone. And you're right, that's not, you know, traditional domestic violence. It's not it likely doesn't rise to a level of a crime, let's say. But actually, the stats show that I think it's one in three women and one in four men experience some sort of physical altercation, like slapping or like punching a wall, something like that, where it's not, you know, the Chris Brown Type, but it's still abusive. And emotional abuse is also abusive, and verbal abuse, and saying, you know, you're ugly, you're dumb, no one likes you, that's abusive. And it can escalate really quickly. You know, the person who constantly punches the wall likely will punch you at some point. Drugs and alcohol can certainly play a factor. Again, they're not, you know, an excuse, just like childhood trauma is not an excuse. But you don't want to be with someone who, you know, is nasty to you when they're drunk and then who says, oh, but I was just drunk. You know, that's not acceptable.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to lie. A lot of healthy food stinks. Like it's just not good. The majority of it. Right. And It's always like a real amazing experience when you find something that's actually good for you that tastes incredible. I experienced it recently with chickpeas. I realized that they're phenomenal and now I'm obsessed with them. And another thing I realized and have always known is that Sakara is phenomenal. Sakara makes plant-rich, ready-to-eat meals and functional wellness essentials to nourish your body with whole organic ingredients that retrain your palate and help you break up with your sweet tooth for good. Sakara has always been a huge fan of We Met At Acme and we are a huge fan of Sakara. The people that work there are so sweet and so genuine. They actually sponsored, helped donate product for our mixer, for our women's mixer. And they gave Saqqara bars to everyone who attended and really chic bags. I couldn't be a bigger fan of Saqqara. I truly, truly love it. Their breakfasts are my absolute favorite. The granola with plant milk is unbelievable. I mean, if you haven't had that, it's it's time. It's time to try it. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine, and it's on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara offers our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara.com slash ACME or enter code ACME at checkout. That's s a k a r a S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash ACME to get 20% off your first order. Just use code ACME at checkout. sakara.com slash ACME and use code ACME at checkout. You can also get some of their amazing protein bars, which I just mentioned. I also love their detox tea for in-between meals, but check it out. sakara.com slash ACME. Are you following the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? And what are your thoughts on abuse in that situation, considering it's like a woman abusing a man, which we hear less about?
1: So I'm not following it in full, and I nodded emphatically when you brought it up because I thought it would also be fun to talk about. Fun is one word. (laughs) Interesting to talk about. I don't know all the details. I do know that the essay that she wrote that is causing the cause of action that he's basing his lawsuit on... It's really a shame that this is turning into a game of blaming her because that was her whole point, that she felt that he was abusive to her and she, you know, was in a power, a less powered position. And then she felt, you know what, I'm going to speak out because even though he's more powerful than I am, I'm more powerful than a lot of women. And so I want to use my platform and like write an essay. I think it was in The Washington Post, but don't quote me on that. Ultimately, you know, that did cause, I guess, a ripple effect in his income, which is why he's suing her. But the whole court case now is saying she's crazy. She's doing this. She was bad. And it's like, There must be some merit to what she's saying that he did, and I think that he is continuing to abuse her in this way. I don't know, you know, if she engaged in certain behaviors. Maybe she did. But I think it's pretty clear that he also did, and he's, again, continuing to perpetuate that power and control dynamic and, again, gaslighting her. You know, she's wrong. She's crazy. And I think it's a shame because she was trying to do something good by saying, you know, women shouldn't be treated this way. I think pe- people in intimate relationships shouldn't be treated this way. And she's getting heat for it. And I feel for her, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think it's possible to know really what yeah. the truth is in that situation. But what I've heard from from people who know probably a lot more than I do is that it was a just just a toxic relationship mm-hmm. on both ends and I think that's another very blurry situation which like let's say I'm in an abusive relationship and like they abuse me but like then I respond mm-hmm. like then I might think, oh, well, like I'm also abusive to them. So how can I say this is an abusive relationship when blah, blah, blah. Like, for example, I've been in a relationship in the past where like he yelled at me, but like then I would yell back. And so then like I my nature would be yelling Mm -hmm. and then his would be, yelling. you know what I mean? It's like, how do we know if it's just them versus us? It's just that's, that's where it gets so confusing to me. It definitely does get
1: blurred. What I'm struck by is all of these labels that we're using. As a therapist, of course, I diagnose people and I work with people who say I have generalized anxiety disorder or adjustment disorder or depression. And for various reasons, yes, we put that label on them. But in my work as a therapist, I focus on treating the symptoms, not the diagnosis. And, you know, symptoms and and circumstances can fluctuate. And so here, when we're talking about abusive relationships, yes, sometimes, especially for court cases or maybe custody cases, it is important to have more of a label, but really, what are the symptoms here? And if you're, you know, finding yourself screaming back at your partner, it's like what you said, it's a toxic relationship all around. So, you know, who who cares who started it, who's the abuser? It sounds like it's not a good relationship to be in. It's not healthy. And so for someone like that, I would say, okay, you know, maybe you are flawed. Sure, of course, that that's a possibility but i don't think that this is healthy for either of you and i think that we should work on you know getting you out of it and you're not going to work on it together because couples counseling doesn't work in these kinds of situations
0: yeah it's so i mean all of this is so interesting and it's so like relevant right now with everything going on i'm thinking about in a in a past relationship you know the one i just mentioned where there was yelling mm-hmm. and Cursing and things like that. Like, I I had been in so many relationships where I thought that so much of that was normal. There was the guy who punched the walls who, you know, when he was drunk and things like that. And then when I got into my relationship with my now husband, I remember like the first or second fight, like yelling type of fight that we had, which we don't even have yelling fights anymore because that's not, I mean, it was really just me yelling, but I... Remember I, I told him to fuck off mm. or it was like something like that yeah. and he was like what I'll did you just you say way. like don't ever say that like that's not okay to ever tell somebody to fuck off like there's no circumstance in which that's okay to do and i was like really like i was i was yeah. genuinely like oh i didn't i didn't know that like i Now would never say that, but it was like, I had to unlearn that like behavior. And my question is like, how can somebody who has either partake, partaked in like a, is that a partake to word partook? Yeah. Partook. (laughs) Partaken. Partaken (laughs) in an abusive situation, even if they were being the one defending themselves or whatever, or if they found themselves being like borderline abusive to a partner are they is someone like that able to unlearn that behavior and be in a loving and supportive and mutually reassuring relationship and if so how would they do that is it through therapy a lot of it is through therapy.
1: I I think the short answer is yes. I think anyone you know in either side of it can change. I think for the the one who's doing more of the abusing, again, it really has to come from them. Um, it's a learned behavior, like we talked about, and often exacerbated by a variety of factors, including potentially childhood trauma, which does of course affect us. You know, they saw maybe they saw their parents fighting, or maybe they didn't develop secure attachment styles. Kids, there's also you know cultural considerations and a lot of different aspects here. So they have to want to change, and they also really have to be comfortable with taking accountability for their actions and not just you know going to a therapist once and then being like I'm cured. You know it doesn't work like that. Yeah, but it is possible. You know I want to believe it's possible. As far as you know the the more of the victim type. You know, I don't love that term like we mentioned earlier, but for the purpose of this conversation, we'll we'll use it. For the victim, it's definitely possible, but it also takes a lot of work. Part of that work is recognizing that you need to heal from a trauma. This is a traumatic relationship cause events in your life. And it's also not just, you know, ending the relationship and now you're a-okay. To be honest, you know, with me and my husband after he was, my husband was sort of my next like serious relationship after the, the bad one. And I was so insecure, even though my husband's like the most, he's given me the most security out of anyone in my life. And I was really, really like needy because of course I was, right? I had come out of this where I was constantly put down and isolated and felt like I had no one. It just, it took time and effort and therapy and support from my husband, my then boyfriend and from other people in my life to really help me
0: heal. Is it possible that different people bring out different sides of us? So like, for example, you might be like toxic with one person or even like abusive with one person and not with another person. Or is that mindset in itself toxic to have because then you could end up like blaming yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, I think the latter.
0: I mean, look, not
1: everyone is meant to be together and and that can be for a million different reasons. But I think to say like, oh, she brings it out on me, she just like gets on my nerves. That's that's an abusive behavior That's not creditable. I think that if someone's triggering your anger, I think you need to look at why that is because it's not their fault. Like, you know, I think a secure, emotionally mentally healthy person would say, "Oh, yeah, like, you know, she's not my my vibe. I'm annoyed, but they wouldn't get so angry. The anger, I
0: think, is is on them to figure out. So I have two questions that are just more personal. And then I want to get into kind of like more niche specific signs. Mm -hmm. Did your parents know about your situation? And like, how did your, your parents not like, how did they stop themselves from physically attacking this guy for after hearing what they did to what he did to their daughter?
1: I love this question. The answer is they did not know at the time because I was really secretive about it. I was really ashamed, partly because I had always been this advocate for women. Like, I literally was coming out of my high school. I was my high school's Women's Issues Club president. I was, you know, in the women's club at school. Like, I was, like, marching for women and then getting screamed at and, you know, abused at home. I didn't tell my best friends and and my friends who were at school with me kind of saw like a little more, but my parents, you know, they oh, I found love in school and I was in this relationship and they didn't know the bad. Um he was very charming with them. And years later when I did tell my mom, she said, "But how could this happen? You're such a strong woman." And that really, you know, struck me as misguided it's not her fault but the point is that it can happen to strong women I I don't wish for it to which is why I now speak about it a lot but it happens to it can happen to anyone hmm and David your husband what are when are your birthdays um actually his is April 19th and okay. mine is April
0: 21st oh that's so funny he has the same birthday as my sister I love that and you said you you had been on and off mmm how did you I mean this this could be a whole yeah, other episode, <laughs> but um how did you know to hold on to this person through the breakups? Because that for me would be really hard to do.
1: It was really hard to do. We just loved each other. We you know, we were friends since we were 18. We actually kissed one night freshman year. And then it was, you know, it was silly and we were just friends. Um, And then we kissed again senior year and started dating and we were dating for a couple of years, but I was in grad school. He was, you know, starting out in his career. I was really, really insecure at that time. And it just, you know, it was a healthy relationship, but we were young and, and I wasn't communicating effectively. So we broke up and then we got back together and then we broke up and then we were together. And when we were together that Last time, it moved very quickly. We were married, like, within eight months of getting back together because we just knew. There's no one answer, but we just always loved each other. And I think we just had to grow and learn how to better communicate. And I had to grow, certainly, on my own, too.
0: Yeah. And how old was that when you guys got married? It
1: was 2012, so 27.
0: Love it. Awesome. Okay. So we'll usually end the episodes with like rapid fire poll questions. But I feel like in this case, it's best to do sort of like niche signs that like you wouldn't expect. Like, for example, I don't even know if this is an actual sign, but like they tell you not to wear that, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. If you could get just as specific as possible with things to kind of look out for like obviously you know the waiter thing is important but mm-hmm. like what else is it is it um road rage like
1: definitely road rage could be one i think anytime we all get angry and so i don't want to say oh if someone's angry they're abusive because that's not the case but look out for what angers them and how they deal with their anger especially if they take it out on other people if they're prone to yelling if they're prone to you know that physical piece of like needing to get out their anger. Certainly, again, if they're trying to control you, who are you going out with? You can't talk to other guy friends. Give me your password. And there are levels to this, but it happens. and happens in all, you know, races, religions, socioeconomic statuses. And so really be cautious if you are witnessing or experiencing an isolation going on. You know, your friends maybe started dating someone new and then they're like... Not around. They can't hang out with you as much or without the boyfriend. Like that's a little bit alarming, you know, just check in with them. And there's not, you know, necessarily a checklist, but it all comes down to, again, the power and control aspect and how that person is communicating when they're upset or angry, because we all get that way sometimes. I do want to also share just some resources in case. Yes. um, The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800. 799-7233. And they offer 24 seven
0: chat also. um, And it might be a good idea to put that number in your phone under like a different name if you ever want to call it, but like not have them know that you're calling it. I, I don't know.
1: No, that's such a good idea. And this these websites that are in this realm also have really great privacy controls where they don't show up Like you can easily X out of it. It doesn't show up in your history, things like that, because that happens. So Mm -hmm. great point. StopRelationshipAbuse.org is another good website. And then I, I mean, I have a variety of legal resources as well, especially in New York State. There's legal services, NYC, Sanctuary for Families. So for people who are at the point where they need an order of protection, which is a restraining order, or maybe going through a divorce. And of course, I am happy to, you know, serve as a resource for people if they just need someone to listen to them or to get more substantive resources. I would be more than happy to point them in the right direction.
0: Where can everybody find you, follow you and reach out for either that or just a regular therapy session? So
1: my website is latcounseling.com and my Instagram is the Lore with L-A-U-R because social workers and lawyers ca- provide counsel. Um, and again, I, you know, today we talked a lot about me and I hope that my sh- story shows people that they're not alone and support is available and they don't deserve to be treated poorly.
0: Thank you so much, Lauren. This was so amazing that we yeah. were able to have this conversation that hopefully will help a lot of people, um, or people can identify with. So thank you. Thank you.